This is Dr. Ronald Hoffman. As you know, I'm a big proponent of CBD to tonify the endocannabinoid system. I've found that it helps people relax and can support restful sleep, a real breakthrough in herbal products. The CBD brand I take personally and recommend to my patients is Plus CBD from CV Sciences. And now I'm excited about a new natural wellness line from Plus CBD, CBD Calm and CBD Sleep. CBD Calm helps ease tension, soothe irritability, and contributes to a greater sense of contentment through a blend of Plus CBD's award-winning full-spectrum CBD, plus L-theanine, and 5-HTP. CBD Sleep aids occasional sleeplessness with CBD plus melatonin, as well as soothing magnolia bark extract and relaxing lemon balm so you can get the rest you need and wake up alert and focused. Both products are backed by science with clinically researched active ingredients. To learn more and to order, visit pluscbdoil.com Hoffman and use coupon code Hoffman30 for 30% off. That's pluscbdoil.com slash Hoffman. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly compendium of your questions. Your questions addressed to questions at drhoffman.net. You can send questions and we'll endeavor to answer them. We call it Q&A with Layla because I'm with Layla Mutin, who is our nutritionist. And uh, each week we answer your questions in a forum called Q&A with Layla. So how are you doing, Layla? Okay, Dr. Hoffman, how are you? Very well, thank you. And... Um, so before we get to questions, yes. uh, you know, usually we uh, tackle a subject that is in the news. And uh, this is not in the realm of nutrition, but it is in the realm of uh, health, lifestyle and medicine. And uh, it is uh, the announcement this week that President Biden uh, has issued a pardon uh, to people guilty of uh, marijuana related offenses. Uh, so it's retroactive to all the people who have been uh, convicted of having uh, marijuana-related uh, drug offenses. Uh -huh. And uh, they will have that uh, expunged from their records. Mm -hmm. And they will have, uh, you know, a, uh, a clean record, essentially. And, th and this is in light of the fact that a lot of states, uh, more and more states, are legalizing marijuana. And um, so... Uh, my feeling is that, uh, you know, I have mixed feelings about this because on the one hand, you know, I feel bad for all the people uh, who were arrested for having like, uh, you know, a, a few joints on them uh, or maybe like uh, an ounce of pot in their coat pocket. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't feel particularly bad for people who were, you know, shipping tons of marijuana into the country. Yeah. Because uh, I think that's a different level of, yeah, I think that's a different level of uh, exploitation. Mm -hmm. Uh and I'm also, I am, you know, while I have to say that, uh, so you know. So all marijuana-related offenses, he does not distinguish whether they are just, you know, just users of, but but dealers, too, are thrown into the pot here? <laughs> no pun or pun intended. They're thrown into the pot, yeah. <laughs> They're thrown into the pot. Uh, yeah, I think that it uh, relates to all marijuana-related offenses, but, you know, maybe somebody... Uh, can correct me if I'm wrong. Here it is. Uh, Biden to pardon marijuana offenses. Okay. 
So uh, that includes uh, White House making the moves after proposals to Congress were stuck amid opposition from some Democrats and Republicans who thwarted the initiative. Uh, prior all f prior federal offenses of simple possession of marijuana. Okay, well, a simple possession of marijuana, I think they may be drawing the line, you know, between people who are, uh, you know, selling massive amounts of marijuana. I don't know how right. that, I don't know how that stacks up. So yeah, I, you know, I'd look, I think, uh, it's good because uh, they're decriminalizing uh, the mere possession of marijuana. And, and, you know, our attitude has changed toward marijuana. We're now saying that it's it's a relatively innocuous intoxicant, you know, like alcohol. And, you know, so just merely having it should not be a basis for having a criminal record. And, well, uh, you know what? There have been recent studies saying that alcohol is not so innocuous. And there's a recent... And even yep. just having one drink. Oh, the, for sure. For sure, and bring you closer to dementia by a few years. And and this which is, is a, startling. And this is a dilemma. This is why I, I brought this up is because uh -huh. I think that uh, we're making a mistake by seemingly to condone the use of marijuana. And you know, I I think it's it's a tough position for me to 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 tread on because uh, I was a kid in the '60s and '70s and I smoked pot, mm -hmm. and uh, you know so. If I heard my current self uh, expounding on the harms of marijuana, I would have simply laughed it off and said, yeah. you know, who's this old buddy-duddy who's talking about, you know, something that is harmless and is fun recreationally and, you know, without negative consequences. And probably it's even, it's healthier than alcohol by, by some accounts. Yeah. It, it does not Let's cause see, uh, liver failure. It can prevent glaucoma. Yeah, their health benefits. It's helpful for pain and yeah. so on, so on, so on, so on. But here's a concern is that, uh, there is a lot of research and I've recently looked at some of this research. Maybe I'll share some of this research in an article or, you know, on my radio program about the deleterious developmental effects of marijuana, yes. especially on young kids. Yeah. And young kids at an earlier and earlier age are beginning to smoke pot. And, you know, I got to say that a pot was available in my high school, but I never smoked pot in high school. Mm -hmm. I had an occasional beer, you know, yeah. but I, you know, didn't really get, you know, high. I, I So I started in college where it was just rampant in college. Yeah. It was the thing to do. And I think in retrospect, I, I feel it was kind of a waste of time. Mm -hmm. I didn't get much out of it, you know. The only thing I got out of smoking pot, and this was in my 20s, yeah. too, on and off, now and again. Was you going to say music? Well, no, it wasn't. It had nothing to do with music. No. I didn't get high yeah. to play. Yeah. I couldn't. Yeah. I, I couldn't do it. You know. Right. But it made me incredibly hungry and paranoid. <laughs> right, right. That was not fun. Yeah. yeah. And paranoia is a real problem with pot in some individuals. Yeah. It has a paradoxical effect because for some individuals, it reduces anxiety. But for yes. a high percentage of individuals True. who may have some genetic susceptibility to anxiety, it, it dramatically increases anxiety. Yeah. It virtually doubles the risk of schizophrenia if you use it early. Uh, it long-term use is highly associated with depression and anxiety and anxiety. Yeah. yeah. And there's also, there really is a biochemical thing that happens where you develop a certain dependency. If not an outright addiction, mm -hmm. uh, you change your brain chemistry such that you almost need it to chill out. Yeah. And, you know, so. You build a tolerance. You too. build a tolerance and yeah. it, it actually, there are cannabinoid receptors in the brain. And if you hit them really hard with the really strong pot that's available day in and day out, it changes your brain circuitry. It may reduce the amount of gray matter that you have in the brain. That's been shown 
in experimental animals and now in humans when they you know they don't have to open your your, your cranium to look at your gray matter they can yeah. they can assess your gray matter through an MRI yeah. so that chronic users have that issue um, it uh, you know we're, we're gonna have a nation of apathy the so-called the you know the effort syndrome right Just, no, yeah I, mean, I think it is demotivational totally. uh, I don't think I would have been able to pursue I mean, a professional career like I have sure. while smoking pot. I certainly don't think I'd be able to maintain my current schedule of exercise and, and you know, podcasts and writing. And you know what? That goes for anything else, any other substance that anybody's going to choose to use, whether it's alcohol mm -hmm. or whether it's uh, pills or whether it's whatever. So, you know, it's... Yeah. And I, even, I don't know, maybe it's it's a generational thing. And I'm speaking yeah. from the perspective of, you know, older people generally try, strive for brain clarity. Yeah. When I was young, I strove for brain uh, expansion. You know, I yes. wanted to kind of like... Like uh, Carl Sagan. Like I wanted to kind of scramble my brain uh -huh. so that I could attain some different level of consciousness. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. and now I want to maintain focus and concentration, memory, and so on. So maybe maybe it's an age-related thing that, you know, people's attitude changes with maturation. But the problem is that if I'd smoked pot, you know, for, say, 20 years on a daily basis, I'm not sure how recoverable my faculties would be. Yeah. And that is a concern. And a very high percentage of uh, kids... Uh, smoke pot or they use vaping, which is harmful to the lungs. It actually, yes. see, vaping is an interesting thing because you think it's okay, it's clean because you're not smoking burning plant material. It's just, there's, but there's a chemical vehicle that takes the, uh, the, the THC into your lungs. It's a, it's hot. It has a, a thermic effect, like a burning effect in the yes. lungs, but it also does something interesting because it goes right into the bloodstream very quickly, within 30 seconds. And those hot materials and chemical materials may damage the endothelium. They yes. may damage the lining of your blood vessels because this stuff is circulating throughout your body, through yeah. every mile of your, of your, you know, hundreds of miles of your arterial beds. Yeah. So, if you recall, it may be hard to recall. Not, not, I, not because of the pot we smoked, Dr. Hump. No, no. Dude, because, where's my car? <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was, uh, this was before the pandemic. There was a little bit of an epidemic of uh, a syndrome with young people who were vaping. Mm -hmm. They were developing some kind of yeah, uh, nasty, lung, even sometimes lung disease. fatal yeah. lung condition. Popcorn lung. Yeah, popcorn it was lung. called popcorn okay. lung. And they were blaming some yeah. form of... Um, there was a vehicle, a chemical in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Some chemical in there, or it was some kind of synthetic vitamin E at the time was yeah. being blamed yes. for it. Yes, yes, you're very good. Yeah. Like that. yeah, good recollection. And that was scary. Yeah, because you, you, don't, you don't know what's in those products sometimes. Right. You know, they're not pure. But even the, just the very idea of taking a hot vapor into your lungs, probably not good for your lungs, yeah. maybe not good for your uh, blood vessels. And that is a concern, you know. So uh, it, it, so we're, we're giving the message that pot is harmless, that it is maybe even beneficial, that it helps creativity. I think that it can sometimes open people up to new ideas, but are they going to be organized enough to compile the ideas? Yeah, well, Carl Sagan, the famous author who died, yeah. well, you know, his books uh, apparently were written after using pot. That's yeah. how he would get his creativity. Chrissy Hines, mm -hmm. who is like 
a, a distant mentor to me musically. Yeah. You know, it was a, a lot of her musical. What was what was her group? Was the Pretenders? Oh, the Pretenders. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was hot. Yeah. Well, it, that it, it's rife yeah. within the creatives yeah. among the creatives. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I never clung on to that. I yeah. Never, it didn't. Yeah. I, I just wanted to. I, it, there's also this this element: is are you more creative, yeah. or do you feel more creative? Uh, In other words, are is you you suspend the, your critical judgment and think like, wow, that's really amazing, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it's it it may not be yeah. in the light of day, yeah. you know. Ultimately, your creation may be uh, seem uh, you know it's simplistic to think that that right. vision that you had can be transferred uh, without the uh, lucidity of normal consciousness. Right, right. And it's hard to play an instrument. Yeah, right. I had a Dexterity drummer, decreases. Dexterity. I had a drummer yeah. who was always smoking pot on rehearsal night. Yeah. You can't do that. Yeah. We hear it. You can't keep, you can't, he had to be fired. <laughs> <laughs> he was a he stoner. He was a sheer stoner drummer. I mean, we love but, him. But it varies. It varies because I think right. some of the best musicians yeah, performed true. under the influence of pot. And it enabled them to depart from the rigid structures of, of, of yeah. music, you know, like riffing and jazz mm -hmm. and, uh, yes. and, and, and so on. You it's know, a conversation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That, you know, so, so it, it's a kind of a two edged sword. Um, the other concern, uh, finally, because I don't want to just talk endlessly about this, is uh, women who are pregnant and use either edibles or they vape or they smoke pot. That's really a problem because there, the studies show that the, the fetus, the developing fetus, has a lot of CBD uh, receptors, uh, CBD1 and CBT receptors. And yeah. those receptors are very vulnerable to the effects of marijuana. So when you smoke or take it in in any form, it's going to get to the fetus and it may change brain development and it may alter the ability of that uh, baby to self-regulate yeah. without the use of some exogenous compound to calm them down or to uh, do the things that our endogenous cannabinoid system do for us. You know, there's this natural symptom, uh, system of pain relief and adaptation to stress and uh, re it you know helps with relaxation and signaling just signaling yeah. in the brain and yeah. it even helps with neurogenesis the mm. the the uh, creation of neurons yeah. so that is a really concern uh, you know we're talking yeah. about a lot of people anyway uh, so, good point at which to uh, pause and uh, allow one of our sponsors to share this important message with you and uh, you know, so please listen up as you know, it's important to me that the supplements I recommend and use are of the highest quality. That's why I stock the Protocol for Life Balance product line in my online dispensary, drhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. Protocol for Life Balance offers a wide range of professional grade products using ingredients backed by strong scientific research. Among them, several stand out for their support of mood and emotional wellness, myonostal powder, L-theanine, and clinical stress relief. Myonostal powder promotes emotional and mental wellness and healthy eating patterns. Healthy eating can support relaxation without drowsiness and promotes healthy cognitive function. And clinical stress relief has been shown to support healthy cortisol levels and thus can help relieve the symptoms of stress from everyday life. They're available at dearhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance. That's dearhoffman.com slash protocol for life balance for more information and to order. 
Thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our sponsors. They're what make Intelligent Medicine a continuing free resource to you. And by the way, my concerns uh, do not apply to uh, CBD because I personally use CBD and I'm I don't glad feel you brought this up. it's I'm not, glad I, I'd like to distinguish because I think, yes. I think CBD is a different situation. Completely. CBD does not have any psychoactive effects, but and, it has and anybody who smoked pot will be able to tell you that, that it doesn't. They'll say this is, they, yeah. they, well, this CBD is not doing it for me like a smoking a joint, right. but it does have, uh, you know, helpful effects on sleep and, uh, mild effects on mood, anxiety and, um, and we're 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 for it. We we condone it. I, however, I, I would issue the caution is I think I think if if, if you're pregnant, uh, I would not do CBD. Uh, I'm not yeah. a big okay. fan of CBD for uh, uh, kids under the age of 18, mm-hmm. un- unless there's some specific. There actually is some indication for using high dose CBD for refractory epilepsy. That's a medication. Wow. There's a medication that's a very potent CBD formulation yeah. that works for seizure disorder. Okay, mm-hmm. seizure disorder is a terrible thing. So yes, okay, it, it could be, sense. yeah, it could be rationally used in that setting. But, you know, recreationally, I think maybe, you know, hold off until your brain is more fully developed. Yeah, by age 21. Yeah. That's when we're kind of mostly fully They say 25 really for full 25? full yeah full brain development. Really? Right, right. Wow. Which is why, you know, such a high percentage of the crime is is committed by uh, people under the age of 20 25 or younger yeah. and their brains aren't developed normally. They don't have the the stops uh, that uh, and the 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 frontal restraint right. that nor that normal that older individuals develop, yeah. you know, with the uh, the the frontal brain uh, having uh, some impulse control. Yeah, or that's more a nurture problem if they didn't have the right influence. Well, that too. That's a different. Oh, it's a whole altogether. different story. Yeah. Affects brain development. Okay. okay, let's get to questions. Yes, we've got from Diane. She's an 82-year-old with a cholesterol of 243. Mm-hmm. As usual, my primary care doctor thinks cholesterol should be below 200. My HDL is always 80 and above. How do I possibly educate him with data that affirms that affirms what you preach that as an 82-year-old, my cholesterol does not have to be 200 or below? I, I don't think you can convince him. Uh, you know, but it is it's it's your prerogative to take the medication or not. Yeah. Uh, my, I mean, it's hard to situate this because I don't know that much about this individual. Yeah. There are instances, I think, where people who are in their 80s, I think they're, they're uncommon, where statins may be beneficial if they have had uh, a heart attack or if they've had uh, stents or bypass surgery. Right. There's some evidence that that can slow the more rapid uh, progression that, of cardiovascular disease. That's for secondary yeah. prevention. Secondary for prevention. Primary prevention. For, for primary prevention. Somebody who's had no cardiac Especially effects. in women, especially in women over the age of 75, yeah. there's almost no evidence that that's uh, helpful. Mm-hmm. And and she doesn't talk to us about risk factors. Is she diabetic? Is she obese? Yeah. Is she uh, hypertensive? You know, none of these things. Yeah. So uh, does she have an elevated LPA, which might influence uh, the risk? And then, you know, she, she had imaging. Has she had an right. EBT heart scan, heart which scan. shows the presence or absence of plaque? Mm-hmm. Mm, you know, not clear. But I, I would say that, you know, I, there are plenty of articles, uh, you know, we, we often talk about them, about, uh, you know, it, it's in the scientific literature that LDL uh, lowering in older females, especially, yeah. uh, has very little benefit yeah. preventively yeah. for primary prevention. Well, Diane is asking, 
you know, any links to research, yeah, go to PubMed, pubmed.gov, mm-hmm. and put in your search term. Mm-hmm. You know, cholesterol levels for 82-year-olds or some other kind of thing or dangers. There's a wonderful book. Yeah, go, just to, Google, Google yeah. Uh, you know, here, just use the search term. Uh, statins for 75-plus women. And there, there you you'll see a lot of literature. Some will say, yeah, okay. But mm-hmm. most of it will say there's a lot of questions about that. Right, right. Because also with statin use, we're worried about diabetes, which they yeah. saw more yeah, in yeah. women taking the statins yeah. than in men. No question. Which is very interesting. Yeah. Very concerning. Diane, thank you for that very thoughtful question. We're but, you know, doctors are so that. indoctrinated that they think that this yeah. 200 cutoff must be applied to everyone. One size fits all cookie cutter right. fashion. We're all automatons. We are all the same. Not. No, the doctors are automatons. Yeah. We're, we're different. Yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yes. True. True. Okay. All right. Oh, we've got a question from John. I, I, I really yeah. worry about my profession because uh, I just see um, the level of um, kind of a fear-induced uh, indoctrination that takes place for doctors. It's like an obedience. Yeah. That and, bothers me more than. And anything. with like Pavlovian uh, conditioning, where you know you're uh, demoted or humiliated or yeah. you know uh, it's threatened with, with grievous harm. Where did they leave their critical thinking skills outside the door when they went to medical school? What what happened there? What often there's a disconnect. It can be a little like a hazing experience, mm-hmm. you know, where you you are so abused that you become an abuser. You know, that you almost want revenge for the deprivation that you experience. Now you're going to take this statin. Right, right. Because <laughs> those are the guidelines. Because I went. the guidelines. Because I went through hell. Because you know. I went through hell, exactly. All right, we've got an email from John. Dr. Hoffman and Layla, the vaccines and doses given to children from birth to age 18 has grown greatly in recent years. In your opinion, which vaccines are most necessary? necessary and hopefully least harmful, and which vaccines do you feel are possibly unnecessary? I, I'm really not in a position to answer that. And, it, yeah. it, it, you know, I'm not a pediatrician. Right. And, but I will say that that is a concerning trend because... We've looked at vaccine schedules over the years. We've looked at them and they have grown. Right. And we've added some, you know, like the hepatitis vaccine has been added quite a long time ago. Right out of the womb. Yeah. Yep. Bang. And uh, so one of the things that's kind of interesting is there was recently, I'm not going to answer the question, but I'm going to comment on this. Yeah. Um, the concern is uh, vis-a-vis, to some extent, whether vaccines are harmful or not. Uh, and you could argue that vaccines are completely innocuous. Yeah. But one thing you can not you cannot deny is that there is such a thing as the hygiene hypothesis. And that dictates that relatively mild infections that children recover from are necessary for normalization of the immune response. Mm-hmm. And by uh, protecting children from all manner of infection, you know, with the COVID and the flu and the, you know, anything, yeah. uh, although some of these infections can be life-threatening. So it's, it's hard to decide, you know, like, uh, you know, people, kids died of diphtheria, you know, it's a terrible disease. Whooping cough uh, can kill you, mostly doesn't, but, you know, yeah. uh, pertussis, that's pertussis. Mm-hmm. It's part of the DPT. Tetanus definitely can kill you, yes. you know. And it's I we have, in our family, there's a, a, a story of about of a child who was at a some Halloween party and she ventured too close to the bonfire. This was in the 1920s. And uh, the child's, uh, you know, costume caught on fire and she had terrible burns in her body. 
She didn't die of that. She died of the tetanus that she acquired. She died a horrible death of tetanus. Oh, my goodness. So these are devastating diseases. But if, uh, to the extent that um, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, right. you know, acquiring these diseases normalizes the immune system. So we're seeing, as a result, uh, an increase in autoimmune disorders, yeah. potentially an increase in susceptibility to other infections yeah. uh, that are not vaccinated towards or even potentially cancer. Yeah. So, but I'm not, I, I, I'm going to dodge the question because yeah. it's a, it's, it's a very fundamental question. It is, but you know, what, before my husband started building our house, yeah. I made him go get a tetanus. Yeah. Cause he could die. He could die. Exactly. Yeah. Cause he needed that. What if yeah. he stepped on a rusty nail? Yeah. What if <laughs> right. You right. Know. So that was that. And right. He did. Yeah. And you know, I had this is another childhood. This is a second childhood. We had a guy who worked on our uh, kitchen when I was a kid. We had kitchen remodeling, mm. and he it was terrible. It took us forever. It was supposed to be like a one month job. It took us six months, and we my mother routinely cursed the guy. You know, cursed the guy, cursed the guy. So then. What we heard was, you know, they came back to finish the job. He said, where's the, where's your foreman? Oh, didn't you hear? He died of tetanus. It's like my mother's curse work. Wow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, your mother was that powerful. Oh, my goodness. So, anyway, so, oh. Oh, so another thing that's interesting. Yeah. Recent study shows that uh, the uh, propensity to asthma is increased by the presence of aluminum as an adjuvant in vaccines. Ah. So a lot of, and then I looked at it, what are the vaccines that contain aluminum? Most of the childhood vaccines, not all of them, contain aluminum. Um, you know, Hep B and DPT, many of them, not all of them, but yeah. uh, many of the vaccines contain aluminum. So you get a lot of aluminum and that could somehow trigger immune system changes. It's designed to affect your immune system. It's an yeah. adjuvant. It's designed to boost your immune right, response, right. but that could cause some, mm -hmm. uh, some, uh, Disturbance of your immune response. Yeah, and the aluminum is an adjuvant as opposed to mercury, which is typically used as a preservative. Okay. But not in all. Right. Vaccines. Right. Right. Just to make that distinction. Yes. Yeah, but yeah, what a way to get aluminum. That and your antiperspirant, everyone. That's how you get your aluminum. Don't worry so much about your aluminum pots and pans. You don't absorb that much aluminum that right, way. Right. Right. But this way, absolutely. John, thank you for that question. That's really one to have with. But, oh, but yeah, but you have it with the pediatrician. They, they, again, they're lockstep about that. It's like, True. take the vaccines. Um, yeah. they, it is, it's one of the hallmarks of pediatrics that they want the children to get all the necessary vaccines. I get where they're coming from, yeah. but I, and I it, think it's very hard to be a pediatrician who dissents from that. True. I, I believe there are some integrative, more functional medicine pediatricians out there who will at least say, be slow selective. Down yep. how, slow walk. You know, you know, slow walk it mm -hmm. or a little more time but between. Doses. That's actually true because the kids in my family, uh, the young kids, um, they, there was a little bit of listening when the parents expressed some concerns. They said, okay, we'll, we'll go slow. We'll wait a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, we won't give them all at once. One of the reasons for giving many vaccines at once is because the, uh, it's sometimes hard to get the parents to bring the kids in. So it's a compliance issue. It's like, we'll hit them with everything when we can. We, we right. don't get that many shots at it. You know, forgive the pun, but we we, we want to you know have a, like a multi uh, pathogen vaccine, you know that does it all all yeah. in one, you know, yeah. like a quad quadruple thing, mm -hmm. and that may be too much stimulation for some children's immune systems. Sure, sure, 
which are still developing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Oh, we've got a comment here from Louise. Dr. Hoppin, thank you for having the courage to tackle the subject of big pharma and how it's interfering with the healthcare system. People need to know the info their doctors are relying on to make decisions on their health care is not always on the up and up. People should never forget that the pharmaceutical industry does indeed work for profit and not necessarily have our best interests at heart as consumers. Unfortunately, I can say the same for some doctors as well. You and Dr. Abramson are like Diogenes. Keep keep shining that light. Wasn't Diogenes the guy who Diogenes. put marbles in his mouth to see if he could keep uh, giving his beautiful orations? Or was that? No, that was Demosthenes. That was Demosthenes. But Diogenes was the guy who held up the light. Right. Okay, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so again, my 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 uh, Greek mythology. Greek mythology no, they, they, these are actually historical guys. They're oh, real. They're oh, real guys. Oh, oh, oh. Oh my. They're not like gods, they're like... Boy, what I yeah. just said was really ignorant. Okay. <laughs> they were actual guys. Okay. Yeah, there was a, there was a Diogenes, I think. Okay. I think. But okay. anyway. Uh, so the guy that she's referring to is John Abramson. Uh -huh. And he wrote a book that I interviewed him... I've interviewed him twice. I interviewed him in the early 2000s when he wrote a book called Overdosed America. And then I, I got in touch with him again, and I said, hey, you have a new book. And he says, oh, thank you. I remember that very nice interview you did with me 15 years ago. Uh -huh. And we did another interview with him, and his new book is called Sickening, uh, How Big Pharma Broke American Healthcare and How We Can Fight Back. I think that's it's a long subtitle. I'm going to have to listen to that podcast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and how we can repair it. Yeah. So you know, he what he talks about essentially is that uh, uh, the studies are poor, the studies are biased. Sometimes things get approved when they shouldn't get approved, and uh, he knows the ins and outs of that because he's actually testified as an expert witness in cases where uh, drugs have caused harm. Mm. He was actually he made his bones on the Vioxx case. Uh, oh, wow. which was the, you know, this big uh, case where there was, you know, harm caused by the medication yeah. Vioxx. Yeah. And uh, he says that they should have known it. Okay, we are running a little past our allotted time for part one. So give us a preview of what we're going to talk about in part two. So my doctor who gave me the Cleary test told me to eat a plant-based diet. Mm-hmm. What say you? We'll talk about the Clearly Test. We'll talk about uh, that recommendation when we return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly Q&A with Lila. And our the destination for questions is questions at drhoffman.net. Please help us fill our mailbox for next week.